Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys go over how you can deal with multiple offers as a seller and a buyer, all while enjoying Old Granddad Burton. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and I'm here with Jameson Amaros, Ashri Barra, and we got another awesome episode planned for you guys today. The tripod is back, baby. <laughs> it's back. Yeah, Jamo, well, how was uh, how was the vacay? I, I see you took a little bit home with you. Oh yeah, and I will not let it go. I don't. <laughs> have you guys looked outside lately? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you can see with the rays. Yeah. yeah, it's cold and it's cold <laughs> in here, bro. So fun story. We uh, we left Costa Rica. That's where I was, by the way. If you guys watched last week's episode, gallivanting, kind of Jurassic Park. I I get the confusion. Uh, we, dude, we left. It was ninety three degrees. Wow. And I was on a beach. I got home at like two in the morning on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, seven degrees, five inches of snow. Fucking no thanks. Yeah. No. I don't know how you people live here. Do you guys want to sell your house and move out of Colorado, maybe to Costa Rica? I'll sell your house here. And I've got agents that I met while I was down there. They'll sell your house in Costa Rica. Perfect. Stone it out there. Just networking everywhere, dude. Yep. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Exactly. No, it's good to be back. I missed you guys. Missed you too, but <laughs> we did miss you. And we got our stack guy back, so you know. Yeah, we, we left two ADD guys here. We were, we were looking at computers. We're like, how, how does he remember this crap? Like five minutes ago. Yeah, yep. that was us. Yep, that was us. Real estate wise, I have it locked in, but Rain Man, baby. Yeah. <laughs> if I reach something five minutes later, I'm like, crap. Did I take yep. notes? Yep. Yeah, well, so. guys, and remember, to have you back. Uh, we do a new episode every week. So remember, like, follow, subscribe uh, to get updates on our new episodes. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, pretty much all the major streaming platforms. So go ahead, drop us a, a subscribe and a like, and uh, we'll give you the best information that we can. Yeah. If you guys want to reach us, phone number 303-578-0263. That'll be down on the screen below. Make sure you guys put that in your phones. Uh, call, text, wherever. 303 or 303, baby. Okay. I, I had I had seven two zero for some reason. It's three zero three. I've been giving out the room. <laughs> three zero three. That's Sorry. probably why you haven't been getting. Sorry. Three zero three. We kept it old school. Three zero three. And then the uh, the email address. We're also going to throw that on the bottom of the screen for you guys. R e s o t r. So real estate served on the rocks. R e s o t r at themilehighperspective.com. And we have a lot of fun stuff coming to that YouTube channel, guys. Yep. We're we're gearing up to do a launch. Um, we're going to have a lot of content on there from community spotlights to. More information around real estate. So maybe a get ready with me in the morning with Oscar Ibarra. Yes. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. I don't have hair anymore, so it hey. got 20 minutes out of the- I do want to do one of those where it's like a get ready with me and you yeah. talk to the camera, except mine's like 37 seconds there you of go. me brushing my beard. <laughs> and that's it. Just ASMR. This is it. Like and then, all right, well, I'm ready for the day. My wife does, uh, she likes to do all natural stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So she has this all natural- product that she does yeah. it's called lit and fink but she does oils for me so i'm saying Ooh. Yes. Ooh, beard oil is on the beard oil. Oil. All, and, and then i'll forget to comb it it's just <laughs> i go back and brush it to get it back down absolutely well everybody we got a an interesting bourbon here for you today we're, we're kind of we wanted to keep it on the trail of hey if anybody was to walk into a store can they get this bourbon and and on top of that i mean we don't want to we don't want to rate stuff we we know I mean, I, I, Jameson knows this one. I don't. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to rate just good stuff. I actually know. I I lied. I've never had this one. Okay. I've had Old Granddad bar, uh, Bonded, mm -hmm. which 
not to give anything away, fantastic. It's also thirty one bucks versus twenty one dollars. This is you walk in if you you can't afford this at a liquor store. Should be drinking. Reevaluate some life choices. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're looking for the the plastic bottle, you might need to join a group. Yep, yep. I'm just saying. Well, now that we have you back, I'm gonna go ahead and pass it off, Jay. Well, tell us a little bit about Old Granddad. All right. Well, Old Granddad High Rye Mash Bill. Uh, it's named Old Granddad because it was actually created by the grandfather who created Jim Beam. Okay. So they essentially used the same mash bill and recipe, and as it got filtered down and passed down from generation to generation in the Beam family, James Beam eventually made his own whiskey uh, called the Jim Beam, which you guys yeah. all know, right? But Very this old granddad has stayed pretty uh, specific and close to the original recipe. It is a high rye mash bill, which we did take a sneak peek of this, and when we say high rye, high rye. They they use more rye in their grain cuts when they when they make this bourbon than other bourbons. Yeah, so, so this is totally yeah. From I was going to say yes. opposite of last week's. Yes, for sure. Exactly. So I'm excited to yes. to see that contrast. So it's I'm assuming, uh, you know, it's it's 40. percent So it's not a it's not a high proof, mm-hmm. but it's gonna you're gonna have a little fire to it. I think. And and they said this was Basil Hayden Senior. Basil Hayden Senior. Yeah. So basically, I mean, fun fact, like the Jim Beam or James Beam Distillery. Their lineage goes from old granddad to Basil Hayden, which Hayden was one of the was actually the grandson. They okay. named old granddad after his granddad. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> I also went to Jim Beam Booker. No, was the uh, gentleman that made Booker, which we've had before, which mm-hmm. is absolutely fantastic. So the lineage of this whiskey is fantastic. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll see. Uh, price wise, twenty one bucks. Twenty bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. super simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you cut out a couple Starbucks a week, and you can afford this. No yeah. problem. Would you? Yeah, you can afford a, a crazy night out. If you millennials stop eating avocado toast, you can afford this bourbon. That's that's right. yeah. If we stop eating avocado toast, can we, can we not bring up stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> I have pet peeves about shit. I'm not gonna lie, dude. I had avocado toast. It's like, Rica, I think every morning. No, oh, so yeah. we were in Vegas, right? And and this place had a pretty cool avocado toast. I mean, sorry, it was it was big. It was great. But it's avocado toast. Yeah. You're going to charge me $17 for some avocado toast? Are they avocados from Mexico? Yeah, probably. Well, they got, yeah. car- they got, so they, they were, they were getting hit up by cartel, right? They were oh, like, wow. we're going to stop this and blah, blah, blah. So they have armed guards. Oh, wow. Bringing avocados into the States. Well, I think the U.S. put up a uh, blockade on avocados to punish the cartels in Mexico. I, which I is why we had an yeah. avocado shortage for a little bit. How is that? How is avocado so powerful? Dude, it's Everything. the most random stuff. I'm telling you. It's yeah. the good fat. Is it? I mean, it is. <laughs> it is a super. <laughs> yeah. Super yeah. And it tastes I, great I, on rye toast, right? To go along with a rye bourbon oh, at 9 a.m. Anyway, yeah. Oh, no, sorry. I'm back to my Costa Rica vacation. <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs> High end avocado toast costs more than this bottle. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, or Dan Kid Slips to it. And that's much, awesome. All right, well, let's, let's, go let's, ahead and like, let's go ahead and give it a taste. Of course, we got to get cheers in. Oh, granddaddy. Oh, granddad, what she had to do today. It's going to be good. Oh. I will say, initially, it smell-wise, it's that, de- I don't know, it just doesn't seem as as punchy, as pungent on the nose as past bourbons, even the larceny that we had last week. I, I'm not getting a lot of... This smells like Jack. I'm not getting a lot of... I mean, you crack open a Jack Daniels and, you know... <laughs> I might need a Coke 
<laughs> or some ginger ale. Oh, it was perfect. Thank you. All right. And you know what? We did take a couple of sips beforehand, so the burn is going to be a little bit more. It's not even the burn. It's like, yeah. It hits, yeah. it's like, the right. It hits right it's definitely, here. And the then right. it lingers in the back of your tongue, and it's just like, yeah. mm. I'll give you some sour mash. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, exactly. And, and honestly, I'm glad that we had the, the larceny last week to give that comparison because obviously, you know, as you drink bourbon, you know, some have rye, some have wheat. I can definitely tell the difference yeah. in the more rye versus the more wheat. Like, this one definitely has that that punch that the larceny was, I don't want to say lacking, but it the larceny was smooth. It kind of came in with the flavor, and then it profile changed a little bit. You got that toffee and everything. But this one, I'm just straight getting grained. You know, it, 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 taking that sip, it's it almost goes straight to the back of your throat, like you said. Um, very little flavor up front. Right. Um, but I will say that this definitely is a – a $20 bottle and the fact that the sweetness is there. And and you could taste it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm at a random hole in the wall, they don't have any good stuff, and I want some bourbon, I'll take some gym. Yeah. Gym's yeah. not horrible. Well, and, when and, you talk about a high-ride mash bill, I think that's what we're tasting. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, Absolutely. A high-ride mash bill, just for those of you guys that don't know, I didn't know, now I know, uh, most bourbons are anywhere between 5 and 10% rye. High rye can go upwards of 51%. These sit at about 37, 38%. So when you're getting that grain feeling and, and taste, um, that, that's that's what you're getting. Which this, and they say it on their website, part of their story, is built to be a cocktail. Yeah. So, so I we grabbed, definitely we, we grabbed the, the lower proof. This is 80 proof. Mm-hmm. They do have 100 proof and a 116, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, um, I'll be excited to taste those. Um, yeah. Because again, the burn or the higher proof is a flavor profile yep. at, at a certain point. And, and you know, again, it's not like apparent, right? It's not, no. like, oh, this tastes like yeah. cinnamon. This tastes like vanilla. Yeah. It lingers and it smells because yeah. I've seen a lot of bourbon guys like, oh, it's gasoline. It's all gasoline. And at what point does it just advertise when you're paying for this? No, again, I'll go back to Zarelis. He's a sommelier for wine. And he says, what's a good wine for you is what tastes good for yep. your palate. Same with bourbon. I mean, you're going to get some garbage. Some people are going to like it. Some people not personally will it. If we ever, I won't, I won't have it. No, yeah. I bring it in. I don't like it. Some people love it. It tastes like what? When you mow the lawn. Yeah. That's what it tastes like for me. It's not my, it's not my, cup. some is people, it, is it horrible? Wellers? Some people hate Wellers. Yeah. yeah. And well, it to me is just, it's okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll have larceny all day and be okay with that. Yeah. Even basil hate it. It's also 80 proof. It's, it's a, just a lighter bourbon. But anyway. Where I'm going with all this is this in itself. I, <laughs> this is a bourbon I would buy for a cocktail. I would not personally right sit down. Rittenhouse is another one. It's it, it's very yeah. It's comparable, mm-hmm. you know. And this would probably not make a good old fashioned, but it might make an okay Manhattan. I would I would challenge that. This would make a good old fashioned at a bar, not at your house. Only and the only reason I say that is because they're going to use simple syrups. They're going to use more of those things that are going to play off of the sweetness because, like we've talked about in the past, sweetness is what sells cocktails most, most of the time. If, if you talk with a mixologist, a lot of the time they're going to go to any cocktail bar, have a sip and go, why is there syrup in this? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I think that that is exactly what this is for. Yeah. Um, at least in my experience as a bartender, I, this is what I would use to make those old-fashioned Jack or I can't even, Granddad and Coke 
Right. Those things that I definitely do with Granddad and Coke. Yeah. yeah. Whiskey this, soda. Yeah. yeah. Whiskey mm-hmm. soda. Um, yep. This really reminds me of of Jack Daniels. Yeah. I get, it, yeah. It's a little lighter on the. It is on lighter. Sour match. It has it has enough complexity mm-hmm. that I don't think it's a Jack Daniels. True. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, for, especially yeah. for twenty bucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I can get a bottle of like Barnett's whiskey, I think, mm-hmm. for twenty bucks and. It would taste infinitely worse than this. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and, and it's good. I'm not. We're not. I'm not beating oh, no, no, it up. No. I'm not beating it up. Uh, again, I think it'd make a better Manhattan. Anything. Yeah. And, anything right. I just. High rye I just those make great cocktails. I just tasted a little bit more, and it got a little sweeter. Yeah, exactly. Second, third time. Mm-hmm. So why I say Manhattan is because I think a, a Manhattan has a sweet remove. Yep. Yeah. And it has a more of a bitter. Yep. Edge to it than an old fashioned. Old fashioned mm-hmm. tends to stay on the on the milder sweet side. Yes. Um, you do still have bitters, um, but then you have the orange uh, zest and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think this will lend itself better. And again, rise lend themselves better to men. Yeah, and if you get a nice cube, it'll open it up a little bit. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So, I mean, I think as as that introductory bourbon, kind of as as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, I think this one's definitely definitely a- above that entry tier, Jack Daniels, stuff like that. If I was in college oh, yeah. and this was a choice over Jack Daniels or like Burnett's Vodka, I'd do this all day. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I definitely shoot this. I would have gotten into whiskey a lot earlier because, I mean, again, for twenty-one bucks, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking comparing it to other twenty-dollar bottles. Mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't tasted anything that tastes like this. So yeah. is this is this the Keystone Light of bourbon or is this the Pabst Blue <laughs> Ribbon? Of bourbon? I think this is a PBR. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. I'd go. I think it's PBR. Oh, this is so. I used one of the best commercials <laughs> for the Super Bowl, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was with Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah, hey, Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> the, the wrong commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome hey stay tuned one day we're gonna have a super bowl commercial you watch it i'm calling it now oh it's absolutely it's happening yep. all right and on that note guys um today we have a really a really good topic for you especially for the consumer with 2023 and if you've been keeping an eye on what interest rates have been doing the market's been doing it's all over the place right yeah weeks ago we were we were in good we were in the green and the market's hot and now it's dropping a little bit in Something happened with the Fed, whatever happened, right? You so, guys ever gone to uh, Helix's? Oh, yes. Yeah. You know the Tower of Doom? Oh, yeah. Then it goes down. It bounces back up and then down. That's, kind of weird. I yeah. feel like that's yeah. where we're at. Yeah. So our goal with this episode is we're going to kind of tell you how to navigate this market when it comes to offers um, as a buyer and as a seller. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with that being said, we are going to kind of start out on the buyer side um, only because there's a little bit that goes into more that goes into it for you as the consumer as a buyer um then then you would say as a seller so um jameson what, what, what what's something that uh and 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 again this is this is in this is we're gonna we're gonna go into it assuming we're forecasting that it's gonna do the same thing last year right um with multiple offers and stuff like that yeah so this, this is, is yeah. this is this is definitely not a forecast what's going to happen yes. this is a forecast if it goes back to where it was and kind of what the bouncing yeah. You know what you want you what you might run into mm-hmm. as a consumer and then what we're going to be seeing. Absolutely. And the whole I mean the whole point of it is like I just said we saw it every got hot in 2 weeks, people dropped below 6, rushed, we had houses on the market that were getting 14 to 20 offers again. How do you navigate that as a buyer? Right? So, uh Jameson, you had you had a couple examples that you wanted to go over on the buyer side. Well, I think it's important as a consumer in general in the housing market, right? Whether you guys are looking to buy or sell, to understand a semblance of a roadmap. Like, how do I get from point A to point? How do I get from a consumer that wants to purchase a house to actually buying a house? How do I get to be a consumer that wants to list their house to actually selling the house? Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, it's important to understand 
why we're talking about it now. So very quick overview. I just want to give people just an idea of what we're looking at in the market. If you've been on Facebook and you have friends that are realtors, I guarantee one of you has seen something that said, the time is now to buy. Buyers are coming back into the market. 37 offers, 75 showings, blah, 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 which was true, right? Mm -hmm. But it was true because we saw interest rates dip back in the high fives, right? I think we got down almost a five, seven, five, five, eight, somewhere around there. And there was all this pent up demand from people that didn't purchase for the last quarter and a half that they jumped, right? And Mm -hmm. good on them to get in and see that the market was hot, but it brought a ton of people in. Now, I just looked at it today, right? We lost a whole bunch of points. We're on average high sixes, right? So almost a percent swing. What do you think that did? Well, we went from a 28% increase in mortgage applications two weeks ago, yep. week over week, to a 7 to 8% decrease this week alone, Yep. which now means those buyers are frantic, may not be, right? Mm-hmm. The reason I bring it up is our job is to give you guys as a consumer a roadmap and how to navigate potential pitfalls, hurdles, all that kind of stuff. What happened was, for the most part, we, we looked at this data back in like August. Yep. We were going on the month over month consumer price index information, mm-hmm. which essentially just said, from September of 2023, how did that compare to where we're at increase in inflation, September 2022? Yep. And those numbers were all 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.8% year over year in that specific month, right? Mm-hmm. So as we looked at that data, we saw two things. One, over the next six months, we were going to go against higher rates of increase from 2022, okay? The second piece we looked at was we looked at inflation data going trending downward, which is good, yep. right? So we assume as those reports come out, then the bond market's going to react positively yep. and interest rates are going to get better, which we saw happen in October, November, December, and January. Yep. Well, what happened was, and again, I'm not an expert at this portion of it because I'm not in the government, things got misinterpreted a little bit and they essentially changed how they are now measuring inflation which was not really foretold yeah. by anybody else. So if you guys follow somebody, dude's a whoa, genius. Whoa, 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 the government was wrong? The government whoa. Was, whoa. just didn't give us all the info, right? right? And even economists get it wrong. Well, but yeah. they're going off of the info coming from the World Economic Forum and the government, so on and so forth. Barry Habib, I know you watch him probably, right? Genius of a mortgage lender. He does an update that's fantastic. If you guys want to take a look at it, get really in-depth. He's been pretty spot on over these last six months what interest rates are going to do. He got thrown through a loop yep. because the way they interpreted the inflation report this month was different than they have for the last year. So the bond market was like, wait a second, what? Yep. And then all of a sudden the bonds reacted negatively and you saw this massive jump mm. in interest rates from a 5875 to the high sixes within a matter of a couple of days, which is now cooled off demand. Yep. Will that continue? We're not really sure. We're still looking at spring and early summer as a chance to recover. If that happens and buyer demand picks up, I think we'll get back into some multiple offer situations, higher demands, still low supply. And that's why we want to talk about what we want to talk about today. So Absolutely. the stat that we had talked about before, there was, at the, um, I think it was two episodes ago, we had a 28% increase in, in, in mortgage demand. Yep. And then of last week, we had an 8% fallout. So we're still up 20%. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the kind of numbers we have we we got to keep an eye on mm-hmm. yep. moving forward and what does that mean yep. moving forward as well. Yep. So I mean like Jameson was saying moving forward as that market adjusts and as people are rearing and sitting back ready to go 
you're going to run into situations where you might find a house that you really love that, you know, maybe a month ago you could put an offer in on and you might be one of two. Sure. But if we get back to this, you know, quote unquote healthy point where the market's doing good, we're back below six, you could run into a situation where you have multiple offers to compete against as a buyer. Yep. So what are what are some things that they should be prepared for as a buyer if they run into that situation? Okay, let's do this, if you don't mind. Let's, let's, let's take it. The stat man, this guy knows the stuff. This guy's been on the market way too freaking long. I've forgotten more stuff that I can remember. But let's throw a scenario because he's good. Didn't he's Lil good. Wayne have a rap about that kind of lyric saying, I've forgotten more lines. Oh, that was Kanye. He forgot more lines than you guys ever will. So, again, <laughs> Mr. Buyer, me. Yeah. Mr. Amaros, I am looking for a house right now. Uh, I have to sell my house. I'm going in. I'm going to have about 20% down. This is where I want to live. I'm, I don't want to spend more than about 700 here in Castle Rock. Uh, what am I going to be up against? Right now, uh, if rates continue to drop a little bit, you'll probably be up against some multiple offers. Okay. And in that scenario, I think the, the biggest thing to do is be prepared with the right expectations, right? Because, and again, no offense to you, Mr. Buyer, but you guys aren't in this every single day. So we always, we kind of have an adage that the general public, when it comes to like specific industries, are like three or four months behind, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's fault. That's why we're here, right? Because we want to do that job for you and educate you. But you have gotten used to and seeing things like, oh, my house has been on the market for 97 days, or I've got, you know, one offer, or hey, my buddy just bought a house and they got $50,000 off this purchase mm -hmm. rising. That may not be the case. So my suggestion is your 20% down is great, okay? Um, be prepared to expand your search. Okay. Just be prepared. And when I say expand, I don't just mean geographically. Yep. I mean monetarily as well, right? Because, for example, if I live in... Castle Rock, okay? But let's say I want to go 20 minutes south to Monument and my commute extends 20 minutes. But the same house in Castle Rock that's going to have seven, eight, nine offers on it that's going to get me into a bidding war on that $700,000 house now may cost me seven hundred dollars 30000 out of pocket because I have to cover an appraisal gap. I can get the same size house, potentially bigger, for 650000 get seller concessions up to, in your case, we could get up to... 9% of the purchase price and seller concessions because you have 20% down. Now you got a lower interest rate. You got a lower monthly payment. The house is cheaper. And what did it cost you? Yeah, you might not be in your exact neighborhood, mm -hmm. but if it's the commute and you're flexible, cool. Obviously, there's other factors, right? School districts, so on and so forth. But depending on what your criteria is, when I say expand search geographically, yes. Here's the other option. Let's say you do want to stay in Castle Rock because of the schools specifically. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, let's take a look at what you need in a house and maybe those wants, needs, and must-haves change a little bit. But if we can get you into a house that has less competition, but I can get a seller concession or we can get something off of the purchase price that you can then turn around and add an addition to the house or refinish the floors or finish a basement to give you more space and it costs you the same, if not a little bit less, maybe that's something that we look at as well. Okay. And explain to me what's an appraisal gap. So an appraisal gap essentially means that the bank is not going to loan you more than what the house is valued at, right? Mm -hmm. So if you spend seven hundred thousand dollars on a house and the bank's loaning you seven hundred thousand, but it's only worth six fifty, they're only gonna loan you what that house is up to. And what we saw last spring was people would buy a house at seven hundred thousand, offer seven hundred and fifty, cover that fifty thousand dollars in cash. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of money, right? Something to consider. 
because as we start to see those multiple offer scenarios, we see those appraisal gaps come up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing, and this is a complete side note, it took appraisers about six months yep. to catch up to the market the last time this happened. I'm curious to see if it's going to take the same amount of time because we went from some houses going way over list and people having to cover appraisal gaps to all of a sudden not. Yeah. And right? side of the side note, when that happens, and this happened when the recession happened, the, the catch up, the catch up part's not the, or the catch up part into the, where it's coming down is not the issue. It's it's on them, and then that that skews the market. It's when we're coming back around right. that becomes a big issue because now all the appraisers want to be Mr. Superman, and I have one right now that he was nitpicking. He he was basically being an inspector, right? And he's not an inspector. He's an yeah. appraiser. Apples to apples, buddy. Don't go nitpick the property. That's a whole different story. And now they're 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 that right. They're they're gun shy. They they don't. They don't want to overappraise, and now they look at me. I'm doing my job. That really hinders. Case in point, yeah. the property up in Hugo. Yep. The last one, I promise, I'm not doing Hugo anymore. <laughs> Hundred thousand dollars under. Yeah. Well, with comps. Right. And he was asking ridiculous things, and he killed the deal. Yeah. So now oh, that brings up a great point. So let's say that that does happen, and you're in a, you're in an adjusting market. How do you, as a buyer, how do you prepare for that? How do you deal with that? If you do get that appraisal that comes in a hundred thousand under, now you got to kind of switch it up. And yeah, it's better because you're not going to spend as much. But what do you recommend that, as a buyer, you start looking at in that scenario? Well, it it, it um, it's case case by case, right? Because if you really want the house, then we start negotiations again, or what's written inside the contract. That's important. If you have an agent that just knows the aggressive points on getting you the, the offer, appraisal gap, escalation clauses. Escalation clauses where you say if there's another offer on the table, a bona fide offer, we will beat that offer by X amount of dollars up to a capped amount. Mm -hmm. Some people don't even put a capped amount. And then it depends on the verbiage. If you're all in and you don't know how to navigate that because there's dates and deadlines in there. We can nitpick an offer. I could put in whatever I want and I, I'll still have some outs. I won't reveal my secrets because I know there's a bunch of agents out there that I'm going to compete against, and I don't give a crap at this point. I'm at that point of the year. I like it. You know? I like it. So um, it, it, it's a multifaceted contract. Mm. You have – we're not attorneys, and as a managing broker and, and, and coach of agents, um, a lot of managing brokers will say, don't put anything in additional provisions. I say if you do, you you watch what you say, yeah. and if a two a second grader – can't read and understand it, you're getting too fancy. We're not attorneys. Yeah. Make it easy to read to the point. So basically in that scenario, you want to make sure that you are communicating with your agent regularly. And and like Jameson said, talking about things that you may be willing to give up, things that you may be willing to take on. It's give or take. Yeah. Exactly. It really market is. Market shifts, right? The the big paradigm that needs to change for whether it's buyers or sellers is your expectations on where the market is. Absolutely. And that's the hardest conversation to have. Isn't it? And if, I mean, think about it, right? We went from an, an inflated market in January of 2022 mm -hmm. to complete halt August of 2020. Hit the brakes hard. Yeah. To yeah. now, two weeks ago, 35 offers, 75 showing, so on and so forth. And it might change tomorrow. So normally a real estate cycle it's every like, you know, three to four years yep. that it'll start to bounce out depending on where interest rates are. As people move up, they upsize, they downsize, 
the population gets older, so you've got people downsizing, they move out. Population gets larger, millennials want to buy houses. And it's normally a very predictable pattern that we look for. These last two years have been anything but. And I think now we're seeing that the resonance or the ripple effect mm. of artificially holding down rates so long yep. that as you let it go, to me, honestly, it's almost like, I wish I had a freaking popsicle stick, but it's like holding down a popsicle stick or a lever or, oh, no, even better, the little door springy things yeah, like stop doors yeah. from mm -hmm. from hitting the wall, right? Yeah. So normally, if you let that go, it just kind of swings nice and slow. Mm -hmm. We're in it where if I pull that back and let it go, it is so hard to catch it where it's at. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important because as a buyer or a seller, having A, the right agent, right? Yep. Which you guys talked about last week mm -hmm. and, and making sure you have the right questions asked and good line of communication is paramount. But understanding that you could list your house today at rates of 6.875. And if they stay that way for three weeks, you will not get a sniff unless you lower the price. Yep. Now, let's say you lower the price in three and a half weeks, $25,000, right? Average... I think the average price that we dropped houses uh, this last quarter and a half was like 5%. Yep. Was the first was the average, right? So let's say you drop 5%. Well, what if the next week the rates tank to, in a good way, to 5.875? You know what's going to happen? All of a sudden, you're going to have 47 showings, yep. right? So you have to understand going into it, that is how volatile of a market it is. And from a buyer's perspective, being able to be flexible in what you're looking for, really lock down very specifically your budget understand what you can afford monthly mm -hmm. because the house prices will change yep. unless you get a new job your budget will not yes so if you can can stay in that parameter and go all right you know what school's not important to me you know single or not mm -hmm. either single young married couple doesn't have kids yet i can afford to move 20 30 minutes away more than what i wanted to but i've got open enrollment i'm okay with making that blah 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 or hey you know what i'm okay i wanted to finish basement but if i can get a house that doesn't have as much action it's $40,000 less. I can use that money I save to finish the basement afterwards. Okay, cool. I'm okay with putting in some elbow grease, hiring contractors, whatever it looks like. Yep. Just be prepared, right? Right. That's that's the biggest thing I can tell you as a buyer is be flexible and be prepared because these next six to 10 months are going to be a roller coaster as far as what housing prices do. Be prepared. I think another word is be, or, or from flexible, be able to pivot mm -hmm. with the market, pivot with the market. So what's it, what's it doing and pivot per transaction. If you can be Barry Sanders in the open field, you'll be fine. Done. Like and it. the knowledgeable agent part is yes. he'll guide you. You'll If you have a great agent, you're probably, if you know the guy and you have a great lender and, you know, days of, of um, lock, uh, how many days can you lock the loan? Mm -hmm. So if you come in and you lock it at five and a half, how many days can I do it? 60, 90 is it going to cost me? But if you lock it at 5.25, can you do a relock if it drops? But at five and a quarter, lock it. And then if it goes up to seven, you still have that five and a quarter ready to close. Yep. And then you don't have to pivot as much. Well, and that's a great point that a lot of people may not know as well is you have the opportunity to lock your rate in. And that's why when you see it drop the way that it does, that's why everybody comes running. Because if you ha if you are aware of that, you can lock yourself in. So if in two weeks it changes, like also we're saying. Well, normally a, a lender will have you know, float down, one-time float down options, right? Mm -hmm. The funny part about that is over the last, I don't know, five, six months, I have completely, like, it's been radio silence on lock-in shops. Yeah. I haven't heard that term in six months. Yeah. Right? All we, we heard that nothing but lock-in shops starting in May as interest rates went up. So again, it's just another example of how quickly this can shift. And buying and selling a house is not a car. You can't do it in a day. 
So the chances of you listing a home and some weird shit happening yep. over that 30 to 45 days it's listed plus the 35, 30 days that it closes, that's different, right? Yep. I mean, and, and we're not even touching on the fact that you we could start looking at if we do hit a recession, what's the one way to combat recession? Eliminating jobs, yep. right? So we had, that was another bullshit report, 510,000 jobs added. That was horseshit. Like that wasn't actually a real number. And yet somehow it affected, that's why rates went down. Right. And they're like, oh, just kidding. We actually counted it differently. Stupid, right? So just control what you can control. That's the biggest and, thing. And there's, uh, it's a subjective term, recession. Mm-hmm. Because technically we're in one now. Well, it depends on who you ask. Yeah, and and what's it going to affect? Depends on who you ask. This bourbon and, was seventeen dollars a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's twenty two now. Yeah, we're in an increase. What is that? What is and, that? And, and the percentages, yeah. right? 0.7%. Yep. In a grand scale, it affects, but in a smaller one, it doesn't. Right. So, um, in as as defined, we we may be in a, a recession. Does it affect real estate? Well, does it affect the 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 job um, sector? Right. Yep. The the employment sector. As long as we're healthy and and strong there, inflation's inevitable. Yep. You'll see what that does. Over communication. As long as exactly. jobs are strong, the real estate market tends to stay somewhat afloat. Yep. And it's going to be, it's, we've talked about this on previous episodes, right? It's it's very micro market. Yeah. The West right now, the Western United States, is getting crushed mm. in home prices. Okay. So you see it all the time where somebody in the East Coast and Midwest is like, what are you talking about? I got 95 offers in one weekend. Yep. Great. You guys went up 110% in home value over 10 years. We went up 600%. It's a law of averages. At the end of the day, anything cyclical is going to come back to what I would call homeostasis. Yep. It's going to level out because it's a battle of supply and demand. Yep. That's all it is. Colorado, we're lucky. We have a very robust economy. But even still, we've seen some of the de- the, the steepest price declines, yep. home value declines, within well, the Western United States. And different states have different factors, exactly. too. Yeah. Taxes. Yeah. Taxes, low home, low home prices, but their taxes are ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, and what we're seeing now, too, is especially with Colorado, is how many of the, these new build homes bought, 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 and built, 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 and they had these prices at these elevated appraisals, right? So now their prices are higher. They're sitting on this inventory. And guess what? They're not going to sit on that. Nope. So what are they going to do? They're going to drop the prices on the houses, right? Give incentives. Exactly. All price you guys are looking in Crystal Valley, Casa <laughs> by the way, just to throw this out there as a tidbit, DR Horton has some great homes in the five to $700,000 range. They have- 80 plus homes to sell that they're yep. sitting on. Yep. Do you think that if you are working with an agent and you went over to that neighborhood and said, Hey, I know this house is worth, or you're, you listed it at mm-hmm. 640. Can I get it for 600 with a couple of these options added on? The chances of them saying no, very slim. Exactly. Oh, they play hardball. No, they're yeah. up north. They did. I don't know if it's just because it was up north, but I did. I got them at the end of the day, but they were like, no. And then they They're call, like, face, oh, bro. Yeah. 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 You know. It's like, sorry, I forgot. I have 107 of these to sell. Well, exactly. Right. That's my whole point is. And then, and, and another side note on the side note of the side note. Can we just keep doing <laughs> We're side almost note? at a square. <laughs> you know. Triangle at this point. We live in Crystal Valley. So give us a call. Exactly. And and Richmond's there too. And actually they Richmond, started. Richmond, Century. Eight to nine hundred they start, but they're building some ridiculous houses. The house on the hill. My wife's like, can we move into that? I was like. Hey, check. No. <laughs> No, the Colorado real estate guy on TikTok. I got a couple of uh, home tour videos. Oh yeah, yeah. some of them. Uh, yeah, he did one. Was it Richmond or, or DR? I did Taylor Morrison and I did Toll Brothers. Taylor Morrison's a good too. Um, Toll Brothers is one of my yep. favorites too. Yep. And they're they're nice homes. The bathroom one that you did. Oh yeah, I think was massive. That was that was that was, that was absolutely. So massive. as a buyer, basically, you know, it's communication, be able to pivot, and 
ultimately make sure that you have an agent that can stay on top of the market and knows mm -hmm. what what it's going to do or, or can even look at projections of the market. So, And when we say pivot on the transaction, um, it might make sense you not using, understanding, the agent needs to understand that um, maybe you don't use your 20%. Right. But you're going to cover some appraisal gap and, mm -hmm. and see what the difference is mm -hmm. in price point Lots and what payment. yep. your payment's going to yep. be because you'll win that house. Exactly. Write the right offer and maybe you'll get a little bit of MI and it's mm -hmm. a difference of 50 bucks at the end of the day. Yep. So that's what I mean, pivot per transaction outside of pivoting with the market. Absolutely. Yep. Just Great. be be okay with change and, yep. and, and adapt or die. I like it. Adapt, I, I know. Adapt or die. I was just going to have one. But you poured me like a halfy, so I'm Ooh, okay. half no, on and more, get it, get it going. I mean, you got to deal. Teach. There's no rules here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's no rules. Okay. All right. So you know, with with going over the buyer portion, obviously that's one half of a transaction, right? And a lot of people would think that, oh, if you're selling your house and you have 20 offers that come through, you're just sitting pretty and you're happy and you're sitting back. We all know that that's not how it goes, right? Correct. Because like Oscar said, each offer that you get. It's going to be specialized and attuned to that purchase. Yes. So And to that buyer. Yeah, exactly. So now what we're going to do is kind of go over how to deal with it as a seller because it can get very stressful, especially when you have all these different offers that may be asking for different concessions or different, you know, coming from different programs with lenders. So there's a lot to navigate in that. Not only that, it comes with uh, experience too. Mm -hmm. What has happened in the past with these kind of offers because the shiniest one may not be the best one. Yep. I've had a lot of agents come in and give us all the stuff we want to see, appraisal gaps, inspection, but they know the ins and outs of the offer, and they'll put me under under contract just to see if it appraises, and then they use another part of the contract mm -hmm. to bail, and now they just had me on, off the market for yep. 15 days. A seasoned agent will see that, catch that, and say, okay, but I'm going to counter and hold you accountable to this you can't bail on something else if this doesn't happen. Absolutely. And that's where the season agent comes in. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the biggest point that we want to get across from a buyer's perspective or a seller's perspective is, and again, we, we hammer this point, but I think it's very, very important. If I am helping a buyer as, as a realtor, my fiduciary duty is to protect that buyer mm. and do anything and everything in that buyer's interest. On the flip side, if I'm a listing agent, my fiduciary duty is to the seller, and I am there to protect the seller's interests and the seller's interests only. Mm -hmm. So I think as you go through and say, okay, well, if it's a seller, then I'm going to start looking at these multiple offers. How many, and you've seen this a bunch of times, Oscar, right? Somebody comes in, you give them the offers. Let's say you listed a $600,000 house. You get 10 offers. The highest offer is seven hundred. dollars Yep. Right? The, the seller's going to go, I want the 700000 Yep. Is that always the best offer to take? Nope. You so walk it. us through what you look for. So to have that scenario, what do you and the seller go through to make sure they understand that, yes, there is a monetary standpoint, but it may not be the best for their situation. Right. If someone comes in 700000 and that's it, okay. One, if I'm the listing agent, I know what the house is going to appraise at. So what are you going to do to bridge that gap? That's where appraisal right. gap comes in. Yep. Also, how long are you going to keep me off the market for inspection? I want the minimal time for everything I want to be able just to say, we're going to close and or wait for your loan mm -hmm. to come in. And that needs to be shortened. A lot of agents like to come in and say, okay, well, we're going to do loan. Uh, there used to be called loan commitment. Now it's the loan, loan terms loan deadline, terms deadline um, four days before closing. No, you're going to give me four days, up, up to four days before the day of closing, be able to pull out on this. Yep. No, 
I need at least a week before. Um, I, I need to make sure that your, your client's solid. So I've also vet the agent or the, the lender. I call them and say, how strong is your, your client? What's DTI with the LTV, all that stuff coming in. I, I know most of that stuff and how competent their, their lender is. If I can't get a hold of their lender, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Come back to the, to the seller said, look, one, the agent was okay communication. I haven't been able to vet their, their, their lender. That might be a problem. Okay. This here, these dates and deadlines are okay, but they, what are they going to do of, of inspection? What are they going to do with, with appraisal gap? And all that has to match. And then earnest money. If they came in with minimal earnest money, you know, earnest and, money is very is negotiable. It's usually 1% of the purchase price. Usually, but it's a negotiable. Mm-hmm. And it, if someone comes in and it's not the best offer, let's say I get the $700,000 offer and it's shaky, but someone comes in at 680 and says, look, We'll do everything fast. Loan commitment, we're already there. We'll yep. do two weeks in. And you know what? After inspection and if everything's good, my earnest money goes hard. Here's eight grand. Yep. That's a solid offer. Mm-hmm. Because if they kept me off the market for two weeks and pulled out and we got to keep eight grand, my seller's going to be happy. Yep. That's their money. And I'm not keeping a diet. Well, and then earnest money. Just just for the, the viewers at home that, that may not know, earnest money, just to keep it simply, is the money that you put up to show good faith that, you want to continue with the transaction. It takes the house off the market. Yeah, pretty much. And say so we're 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 a serious buyer. Here's my money, and that money gets placed in a trust account. Sometimes real estate firms put it in theirs. Um, a lot of them don't like to do that, and title companies have them. And the title companies have a trust account. It's a not it's a interest bearing account, but it could only be used for holding that money. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if the transaction goes well. You get that money back. That's always your money. Yeah. It's our job as an as an agent to make sure we're on top of our dates and deadlines, so you don't lose that money. And or if something goes south within the date dates and deadlines, like inspection, we can't resolve anything. We send out a termination and an earnest money release. Everybody signs it. Title company cuts the check back to your client. Yeah. Okay. So what I what I want to kind of do with this here is because we're talking about how many different things there are, the one commonality we have between all these offers are the offers themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So what I would ask both of you, if you could, and you know, try and make it different for the viewers at home, but if you could give a buyer, or I'm excuse me, a seller, two things to look for in an offer, what would you prioritize? What would you say that they should talk to their agent about, or maybe even just bring well, it up that they look at? So here, I've, I'm gonna expand a little bit, but okay. I'm gonna give you a pretense why. So when you, if, you're, if you're a seller and you looked at a contract to buy and sell. Mm-hmm. It's a 47 to 60 page document, right? The important pieces in there are number one, the dates and deadlines. Yep. Okay. Number two, the actual offer amount. Mm-hmm. Number three, the type of the loan. Yep. And then number four, the additional provisions. Yep. I say that because I want to simplify it because essentially mm-hmm. of the 47 pages in a real estate contract, 90% of it is just re-explaining the dates and the deadlines. Yep. Right? So if I'm looking at dates and deadlines as a seller's agent, listing agent, I'm looking to make sure, and Oscar touched on this, he said loan commitment, right? Yep. So for that's a great one. So loan commitment splits into two. It's loan terms deadline and loan availability deadline. They're two very different things. Loan terms means that the buyer has a certain amount of time to review the loan from their lender and say, I'm good with this. Mm-hmm. And if they don't like it, they can back out and they can take their earnest money out. Yep. Okay. We like to see that as a listing agent within five to seven days of going under contract because preferably 
this person's been underwritten or pre-underwritten at least, yep. gone through whatever, uh, pay stubs, verification, so, so on and so forth. And they split it up into loan availability and loan term. Right. And loan availability is more towards close, right? But loan availability just means did something catastrophic happen that now does not allow that person to qualify for the loan? Think job loss, job transfer, something else, right? Mm -hmm. As a buyer's agent, I like to put that as close to the closing date as possible because I want to make sure that my client has If you get away with three, something happens. Yep. Money. Yep. But I've had people counter me and say, hey, you know what? It's competitive. I want this loan availability deadline 10 days before close, mm -hmm. right? Okay, cool. Then that just moves up our date. And if we want the house, cool. Loan terms, I've had some agents, good buyer's agents, try and sneak that all the way to the to close as well. And I will counter and say, nope, I want this five to seven days out. Because at this point, if you're already fully underwritten and you've got your pay stubs and you've got your W-2s and you've got everything else, you should be good, right? So when you go through the loan dead dates and deadlines, that is, to me, number one. Because as okay. a seller, pay attention to that because that gives you when the buyer can leave with no consequence. The loan, um, or sorry, the, the uh, offer amount is obviously the second most important. That's going to give you essentially their net, what the seller is going to make, right? The loan type is going to matter because if you've got conventional versus FHA versus cash versus VA, now that brings into different ways appraisals can be effective. You know, for example, Oscar is saying about appraisal deadlines, right? We want those nice and tight. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's an FHA or a VA loan, when are appraisal deadlines? None. None, right? Yep. They can do it whenever. Your appraisal might not come until 27 days. And we put them in to, just to have a, a, yep. a set date that we're, we're going to agree to try to get them by this date. Yep. But the contract of, um, the contract by itself states if it's VA or FHA, those dates don't really matter. Yep. And it's to get give the lender a benchmark of where Correct. we should have them done. Yep. Yeah. And then and if you go to additional provisions, to me that's the fourth important because that is now going to detail any contingencies outside of the actual constructed contract. How are you going to stand out? Exactly. How are you going to stand out? Yeah. Or they may be some different things, right? So I, I or what are you going to admit? I put in mind uh, that the buyer reserves the right to change the terms and conditions of any financing mm -hmm. up until the day of close, as long as it doesn't affect the offer amount or the dates and deadlines or the ability to close the loan. Yep. But it, they sit there and say, "Hey, man, I just you know I'm going to put this much down more. I'm going to take some. I'm going to change my loan type. I'm going to go from VA to CAT, whatever it is." It gives them an option, right? It doesn't really affect the seller, but I put it in there as as protection. Mm -hmm. You can put anything you want, really, in additional provisions. Mm -hmm. It's not legalese. As a matter of fact, I've always been taught, keep it as plain as possible and make sure people understand, right? I've done things where I say, hey, possession. My additional provision in possession is that the house will be broom cleaner better on or before the day of possession. Mm -hmm. And in order to verify, we're going to do a walkthrough the day before Walkthroughs, yeah, they're kind of, you know, there's not really a date or deadline for it. But if I have an additional provisions, then at least it's there, right? right? So if I'm if I'm a seller and I'm saying, hey, what do I pay attention to? Dates and deadlines because it determines when your buyers can back out and you can either lose the earnest money or you can say, hey, they back out to keep the earnest money. The offer itself, because that's going to depend on what your net is. The um, the Taylor Swift song. Taylor Swift. Excuse me. <laughs> Charlie. Ralph. Hey. I, He's the problem. I, had to, I had to do a post. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Uh, the additional provisions mm -hmm. and then the loan type. Those are the four that I would say. That the totally six page derailed my, my <laughs> I was going to say ADHD. I apologize. <laughs> I did it. It was, you did do uh, it. It was man. It was rich in that one. <laughs> anyway, those are my four. Okay. Okay. So you don't even ask me. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. 
Well, you went over you went over the appraisal uh, gaps earlier. Um, and Jameson touched on. I listened to so many Taylor Swift on this coaster. You could really you because there was somebody this, that was a massive Swiftie. Uh, okay, Swiftie and Rihanna. That was it. That was all I listened to. Nice for like six or eight days. I mean, Rihanna's a good one to listen. To. I'm not saying it was bad, but that just took me back to Costa yeah. Rica. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the, the Swifties are forced to reckon with. I'm the yeah, They're changing <laughs> stuff out there. Um, man. Yeah, I mean, skin in the game, I guess, if I have to bring it back to anything yeah. I remember besides before the Smith <laughs> song. Um, what what is the buyer willing to, to risk to get this house? Right. And 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 I think the higher the risk, the better the offer for the seller at the end of the day. Yeah. Just to simplify, because the contract, outside of all the stuff that Jameson said, there's intricacies of who's gonna pay what, right? Yep. Who's gonna pay for title, who's gonna, what title company can we use? All that it adds up at the end of the day and that might be the determining factor for the mm -hmm. for the seller what's going to what's going to benefit the seller because if I'm the seller side fiduciary responsibility means you have the best interest of your client is to my seller same on the buy side so it's it's a it's a give or give and take cuz we both he's the buyer's agent I'm the seller's agent we we have the same end goal yep and how can we bring it together that's it mm -hmm. without egos and all kinds of other crap that agents like to bring into the table finite points and within the contract, if the buyer really wants this, set yourself aside from the other the other buyers. How much skin in the game and how confident are you with moving forward with my offer is one that I'm going to look for. So I'll give you guys an example, right? Real real world example. If I had good examples, but an offer I received Taylor Swift. God damn. Uh, <laughs> from Taylor Swift, ironically, yeah. uh, I received an offer on a house, and they were on a conventional loan, and they were doing three and a half percent down. Okay. They asked for $20,000 in concessions. Okay. They offered $520,000, which was the purchase price of the house. That's what we okay. for. And I looked at that. And when I was talking to my, my seller about it, I go, hey, this is actually a good thing because it caps what they can ask for. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up accepting. And the reason I did this is because as we got to the inspection period, most of the time, people will offer concessions because it's unrealistic to ask for repairs and all this stuff to be done yeah. before the house closes. Underwriter, right? underwriter doesn't want to see you know it. I mean? Underwriters, they're not going to want to lend on a house that needs exactly. big, big so repairs. So when yeah. somebody offered 520 with 20,000 concessions, I did the math. We looked at the contract. I said, hey, so the, the cap is, and this is just for you guys out there as well, right? Um, if you're looking for seller concessions, if you're buying a house, there's a cap how much you can ask for. On a conventional loan, if it's 10% or under on the down payment, you can only ask for 3% of the purchase price in concessions. In my case, it was exactly $20,000, right? Mm -hmm. If you're 10% to 20%, you can ask for 6% of the purchase price in seller concessions. And if you're 25% or higher, you can ask for 9%. Well, we knew this offer was already, they hit their max yep. just by offering. So when it came time for the inspection period, mm -hmm. And they started asking for stuff. I told them straight up, we're, we're not going to repair anything. Knowing that their option was either to let it go mm -hmm. or they would have to come out of pocket for some of these repairs because the lender's not going to then allow for another $2,000 worth of repair items because they already eat up their $20,000 in concessions. Yep. A normal agent, not normal, but somebody that maybe not as informed or a little bit newer. And if you're a newer agent, this is something to look out for. Mm -hmm. Understand that when you see seller concessions, which we will continue to see, there's a cap. And if you're in a position where it's butting up against that cap, now you all of a sudden have leverage during the inspection period 
if these people really want this house or they have to renegotiate and say, okay, I actually want 15,000 in concessions and then 5,000 in repair items. From a seller standpoint, okay, I already, I already said yes to the 20K, so you're just fudging the numbers a little bit. That's fine. If they say, well, I want 20 plus more, that's fine. The answer is no. What's their choice? They either fix it themselves, they come out of the pocket, or they walk away. Yep. Right? So those are just some of the little intricacies that we pay attention to as a listing agent yep. when we're trying to sell the house and there's multiple offers. If I see somebody that's capped and I've got two offers, one's at 520 with 20,000 concessions, the other one may be at 520, but they have a 20% down payment so they can ask for 27 and they've only asked, asked for 20, yep. that's something I would bring up. Hey, these people are giving themselves room for an extra seven to $10,000 in negotiation. Mm -hmm. Yes, they have 20% down, which normally people see as a stronger offer, yep. right? But if they're at 20% down, they've only asked for 15 in concessions. We hit that inspection period. They may come at us for another 10 mm -hmm. versus we're at 520. They've already asked for 20. They can't come out of pocket anymore. So mm -hmm. maybe this is actually the better offer to take. Read between the lines. And again, at the end of the day, whether you have a loan, conventional, FHA, VA, USDA, or other, and cash, the seller's going to get cash no matter what. Mm -hmm. Understand that. So you have to also dig into that. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. FHA guidelines, if it doesn't appraise, now that FHA appraisal is stuck with the house. Yep. Um, so now you can only have conventional. But or you have to fix everything. Or you, or you have to fix everything yep. because it's chip and paint, all that other yep. stuff. Mm -hmm. VA, another ball of wax. Conventional is usually what people lean towards, but if, some, if someone comes in with a strong FHA and they have a down payment and appraisal gap, that might just be it Yep. if yep. they're strong. So that's when a seasoned agent exactly. comes in. And, and again, man, this old granddad may have like fueled my... Rage. Uh, yeah, I don't. I was. I had other choices of words, but <laughs> do you need? It, do you do you want to split on some more Taylor Swift to kind of calm? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, maybe yeah. a little more Taylor <laughs> right. A knowledgeable agent is worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. I know a lot of my friends are, too. I mean, brand new, newer, great freaking agents. The shiny agent out there that just knows how to do marketing and just regurgitates shit that they get from their title company and looks pretty and closing in heels. Ladies, I'm not just coming after you. It just pisses me off that. They're the ones that the, the general public goes after, but mm -hmm. then they don't know how to navigate right. the transaction, yep. and that's where we earn our money. Anybody can write an offer. Mm -hmm. it's, it, a monkey can write our damn offers. It's fill, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how to navigate when things get ugly, yeah, you don't Writing know what you're doing. Versus interpreting an offer versus negotiating. You could regurgitate everything that you've heard on the internet and look smart. If you can't navigate and get to closing w with as few casualties as yep. possible, you don't know what the hell you're doing, mm -hmm. and- you lose thousands of dollars yep. or lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, with that being said, it's, you, you go through all of that, you have multiple offers, you, you start, you know, you start put, getting, doing counter offers, all that kind of stuff gets a little stressful, right? And when things get stressful, one of the things that people like to do is sit down and enjoy a bourbon. So through this conversation. And that said, he just cut us off, which is probably good because I was, I was heading down a bear. <laughs> I, I, I just have one question for Oscar, but we'll, we'll, we'll save it for We'll save it till he's drinking we'll something for else. Because I feel like I had to make him go off on a tangent. Yeah, I well, and I would too. Good. Yeah. Hey, hey, I wish he I'll would. tell you what. I have, I have a question for Oscar. I'm not going to ask this episode. Okay. I'm going to save it for next episode. So tune, so tune in mm -hmm. because I'm going to ask him something that's probably going to make his head explode and you're going to see angry cartel Oscar 
come out <laughs> faster than you even know. And All a right. really nice guy. If you know him, you're really super <laughs> So nice. pay attention. Wait for the next episode to come out. We'll ask that question. All right. And on that note, uh, let's go ahead and concisely give our one rock takeaways. All right. Um, I will start it off. I said it a little bit earlier, but I think my one rock takeaway for, for this topic around buyers and sellers is read between the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure that you understand your offer, what you want, how it's going to be portrayed, and do your due diligence in, in having someone that could help you with that. One rock takeaway is have a very open line of communication with your agent. I mean, everything. The more he knows, he or she knows, the better they're going to be able to perform their job. Mm, I like it. All right, Jameson, challenge. Uh, hey, I did this last week just fine. Not last week. I wasn't here last week. The week before, I did it just fine. You say that's right. It was just fine. No, you did do fine last week because you weren't here. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Uh, no, mine, mine's easy. As a seller, the highest offer is not necessarily the best offer you should take. I like it. Good. That's it. Well, look at that. I'm so happy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Yeah. All right. So now um, I'm very interested to, to hear hear your rock ratings on old granddad over here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and switch around, take, take another sip here before I give mine. I could go right now. Go for it, Oscar. Do it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we're giving it a rating after I've had a few. It gets the job done. Yeah. It does. Um, without really having to chug it down, it's it's easy. It's easy drinking, but it's not ooh enjoyable. Ah, this is delicious. No, you could drink it. It's good. It's not great, uh, but for the price and everything, I like to I bring that back into play. It's not a plastic bottle. It's not a jug of bourbon that you're just gonna hate yourself in the morning. Um, it doesn't have a whole lot of flavor profiles. Uh, it's it's very. It's kind of like a dry wine at the end. Mm-hmm. My mouth is kind of dry right now. Yep. Um, it doesn't coat. Doesn't give you the creamy mouth feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Brought it back. Yes. Brought that thing back. <laughs> um, uh, it's it definitely belongs in like a Coke. Mm-hmm. I probably would make an old fashioned. I'd probably try to Manhattan out of it. Uh, rock wise, and again, you use the rocks to to mallow and open it up. This one would probably just wash it out. So, give me like a six. I like it. Okay. Okay. It's not horrible. Yep. It's a solid six, man. I like it. I like it. Jamo? No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. Tatted on the back. No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I feel like it deserves two ratings. One where you don't know the price, and then one where you do know the price. Uh, if you don't know the price, I'm at probably like a seven and a half. Okay. But at 20 bucks... Six, yeah. Um, I agree with Oscar. Gets the job done. If I honestly, if I'm having a really bad day and I got twenty bucks in my pocket, if I got twenty bucks in my pocket. I'm like, oh, I need to make this. La- I then I would probably do this. Yeah, it's not bad, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. we're we're spoiled because of what we've gotten to taste. Yes. Um, but if I'm comparing it with what we've tasted, mm-hmm. I think a six to a seven is a good yeah. rating, and I think twenty bucks. I think it's worth twenty bucks. I'm gonna go right there with you guys. I'm definitely gonna get, give this one a six. Yeah. Um, specifically, just because again, not a lot of complexity. No complexity. Yeah, not a lot of complexity. So if if you are like the the connoisseur, you're gonna drink this and be like, okay, it's 
I'm, uh, it's alcohol. I'm, I can drink right. it. Yeah, if you're a connoisseur, you're going to appreciate what it is for what the price exactly. is. Exactly. So I, I think definitely giving it a six and then just instructing you guys, put it in a cocktail. This yeah. is definitely something that if you just had a long day, you want to sit back, relax, sip on a couple drinks, this is a great way to go. It's not going to It's not gonna punch you. It's not, not going to make you, you know, like, Ugh. but you are you are going to have a little bit of more of enjoyment out of it than going yeah. on a standard regular. It's definitely not a put it in a paper bag and go cry yourself. <laughs> no, 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 no. Things, but if it's a, yeah, you know, I'm on, I'm, I'm on business trip, I'm stressed out, yep. I'm going to pick something up to have at the back of the hotel, maybe grab a, a Coke or something and, mm. and mix it. It definitely, I like it'll it. get the job done. I like it without having like, dude. I just drank McCormick's last night and I feel like yeah. shit this morning. Exactly. Definitely not this. Yep. But it's not like Jameson said. We got spoiled, and that's why we're trying to review yes. stuff like this. Mm-hmm. So we're reviewing everything equally, not just high end stuff. I'll put it this way: best twenty dollar bottle of bourbon I've ever had. Oh, I'll give absolutely. You yeah, that. But for five bucks more, I'd buy the Larceny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's a weeded one. It's less than ads. Anyway. All right. Yeah, so it's a good bourbon. That are still sticking with us. Yep. One more time. If you guys want to get a hold of us, got Oscar, where do, they, where do they find you on social media? OscarTheRealtor.com across the board. Beautiful. It's TikTok, uh, Facebook. No. No Facebook. It's a little yeah. different. Not Facebook. TikTok, Instagram. Yep. And I'm trying to just website OscarTheRealtor.com. Cool. I'm trying me, to get a link tree. Yes. I'm trying to get with the times. <laughs> For me, you can uh, find me on TikTok and Instagram at uh, TikTok, that lifting agent, Instagram, the lifting agent, um, and contact us through our, our Mile High Perspective as well. Yep. Yep. Which, again, email for you guys down below. Like and subscribe. Yep. Follow, comment. Let us know what you like. Comment. We check them. I'd like to see yeah. what's up. I'd yeah. love to see what you guys think. Yeah, send us yeah. some recommendations. Um, and but, and it is, it, is it lift with your knees, agent? Not your pack? Uh, you know, I, yes. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> good form. To <laughs> that. Good form. Good Always form. have good form. Good with that form. said, drink responsibly. Yes. Always drink responsibly or irresponsibly if you're drinking a $20 bottle. No, nah, dude. <laughs> as long as you say, you're going to get a response right. if you're drinking this That's shit. Uh, R-E-S. OTR at the myliveperspective.com if you guys want to email us. And then the phone number again, 303-578-0263. Uh, you guys can find me, the Colorado real estate guy, on basically Instagram and TikTok. Facebook's just my name, Jameson Amaros. Um, love to connect with you guys on there. As well. And if you're bored, coolestguyonearth.com. <laughs> That's also me. All right, and on that note, guys, thank you so much for joining us for the yeah, other episode. You guys, they served on the rocks. Catch I cheers, but I drank all. My cheers, time. I I still have cheers. Yeah, you know, I got responsibilities. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for a weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel.